Hello everyone, it is so good to be here today. I am so excited to speak with you. Welcome on another episode on Painted Opinions with your host here, Angel. It is so good to be here today. And of course, I have to tell you for those who are just tuning in and you're new, welcome, welcome. It's so great to have you. And for those who do come and listen on a continuing basis, I'm so privileged and honored to have you. It is so great. I love it. Now, I have to tell you, though, like, about my weather situation. I always have to where I'm at, you know, because, like, I love doing it, and it's a big thing to me anyways, and I'm pretty sure to others, because, like, when we see the crazy things in the weather, we're like, what's going on here, Mother Nature? Get it together, girl. Yes. Or guy, whatever you want to call it. Um, now, I want to talk about a topic today. It is a uh, very touchy as well. You know, it's it's a it's a very common thing that happens um, with people. Not everyone, but a lot of people, including myself. Mm-hmm. But it is addiction. That little nasty bugger of a word we all know. Yes, but um, I want to talk about addiction. I want to talk about, you know, what can happen, what is addiction, you know, what psychiatrists, therapists want to call it, you know, uh, what they label addiction is, and, you know, the true meaning of what addiction is also by, you know, my standards and people as well, what they see addiction, and some of you may agree, it may not, and I'm going to share my story of what I went through as a recovering addict myself. So without further ado, let's get this started. I'm so excited to talk to you about this. Ah, addiction. Yes, yes, that word, that nasty little word (laughs) that a lot of people don't like to hear, you know, being called an addict. A recovering addict, an addict in process. <laughs> a lot of us, you know, do not like that word. Me, I take pride on that actually because I've come so far. But um, let's start with the meaning of it. You know, let's do it with the whole what psychiatrists and therapists label it as. You know, those good old people that have that little degree that talk to you and be like, yep. This is what addiction is. Well, by their standards, they think it's like a complex condition, like a brain disorder, as you say, you know, as they say, that is manifested by um, compulsive, you know, substance, you you know, abuse, you know, the use of it, a substance, uh, despite harmful consequences. Um, You know, that's what they think. The whole addiction is like automatically that clicks in their brain of what it's labeled as a true, a true, but a true, you know, meaning for me and maybe others might see it this way. But the true meaning of addiction is a chronic, you know, it's chronic relapsing disorder. 
And it's like characterized by compulsive drug seeking, you know, use, looking for, you know, your next fix, I guess you could say. And, um, you know, of course, continue to use, you know, despite the whole harmful consequences, because it does have side effects, which I will talk about that. And, um, you know, long lasting changes in the brain, you know, in your mind, like it can have a long lasting effect. It is, you know, it's both like, I guess you could say complex brain disorder, you know, it's a complex situation and mental illness, you know what I mean? Like it's due to mental illness as well, because, um, a lot of us have a lot of times struggling with, um, comprehending anything, you know what I mean? So that's what we do, you know, when it's a lot's going on. So what do we do? But, um, hopefully with addiction, as in, you know, hopefully that gave you a better understanding to what it is. And for those who do not call it a disease, you know, they don't think it's a disease or something, you know, of how they feel that it is. You know, that's that's sad in my opinion. I mean, I'm not calling them a bad person, you know, because everybody's entitled to their own opinion. But I think in my opinion that's sad because it can it can be a disease, you know, it is a disease, it can be, and, um, it happens more common than you know, and, um, in a second here, I'm going to get to that, you know, how, you know, the signs of it, and how it is played, you know, because I think a lot of times, you know, we need a better understanding, and when I explain the signs of it, or how, you know, it starts, I'm putting some of like, of what I went through as well, though, because everybody's experience is different. And like I say, you know, when I discuss things with you all, it's like, um, in my opinion of things, or like how I see it and how I feel. So I just thought I would give you a little bit of understanding. So let me get started into like how it starts so that you know what to look for because sometimes it's signs that you just miss you know what I mean so yeah well let's see here how does you know the whole addiction as they call it start that good old way that's a very good question yes it is but um a lot of times you know it starts it can either start in an early age you know when you were younger from abuse exactly it can be physical abuse verbal abuse mental abuse and it can be at home from like your family your friends away from school you know because they can affect your life like they can degrade you bullying i guess you could say it can start with that or physical abuse as in sexually whatever uh beating that uh, can also traumatize a person. Um, school also, you know, the bullying with school, it can hit hard with kids. Even in a work, you know, workplace, younger teenagers or in general, 
it can traumatize them so much that they don't want to deal with it. So it's a way to cop out. So they're like, I got to do something to feel better. Let me take a little bit of this. Let me smoke a little bit of this, that, whatever. And I, and I love this because I'm not feeling it anymore. You know, I'm like, oh, well, it makes me not think. I like this. I can deal with it. Um, also, you know, losing loved ones, whether it's a family member or friends that are considered family. Because you don't have to be like, in my opinion, you don't have to be blood to be family. Also, they can be family in your life that you grew up with. And losing someone can um, cause you to want to forget it. A way out, you know, not deal with the, the grief. Because we want to set it to the side. You know, a lot of people don't want to deal with it. We set it to the side and let it go on. And eventually, it blows up. It boils over. Because you don't talk about it, feel it, express it. So... We want something to numb it, right? Forget it. Um, peer pressure, too. Now, peer pressure can also cause a lot of it happening. Because you want to look cool in front of your friends, right? You don't look like a punk, pussy, you know, um, a scaredy cat, whatever you want to call them. You don't want to look like a loser to people. And um, we're like, well, I want to be cool. I want to fit in. Just like everybody else, all my friends are doing it. So why not, right? Let's do it. And um, that's like another one of the things that causes it. And um, also marriages. You know, you can be in a marriage relationship and it and, and it not go how you expect it. Because we expect it a certain way. If you have OCD, something. It's like, oh, relationships should be like this because of social media or because of what you've seen other people. Oh, it should be a happy ending. But like I've said before, relationships are not perfect. This is not an episode of Leave it the Beaver, <laughs> as I call it. But, um, yeah, that is a, another thing. Now... <coughs> Excuse me, but, um, like, signs, though, like, that you don't see. And, you know, the newer generation nowadays, they've gotten better ways of hiding it. Little do you know, being a parent, or being a parent, you know, you're a parent, or being a parent, you know, you're like, oh, we can spot this because I was once that age, too. Listen, times are changing, it is so changing. And we find ways to hide it. You know, because a lot of it can be with, like, aggressive behavior. You don't realize, well, why are they so angry? Why are they so distant? Why are they so mellow? Why are they whatever? And it's like, you don't know, It's maybe it's the hormones. But there could be more to it, too, that we overlook, that we fail to see as parents or... A superior like a guidance to people to mold them and cast them into what we're going to be living in, in the future you know so a lot of times you have to really sit back and look like what's going on with my child you know because a lot of signs can happen and it you know and mental health too like 
if we had like people that are diagnosed with a mental disorder, and I hate to tell you this, and a lot of people don't see it this way, but more than 90% of people all over the world, not just America, but all over the world have a mental disorder. And there's tons of disorders from mental stability. And it's like a lot of it can cause us to want to do something to, you know, deal with what's going on with us because we don't know what disorder we have as a person. And I think that is a lot of looking into myself. Um, so hopefully that's helped you with the whole, um, you know, the signs of like what can cause it, um, things from the past and everything. And, and I'm, and I have to say that it is a disease also as well too, though, in a way, because it gets at us and it's, it's an addiction, something that is very hard to overcome as a person, as a human being in general. So next I want to talk to you about, um, my story, you know, as a recovering addict myself. So hopefully this has helped. Well, um, my story, <laughs> let's get started with that one. Uh, how do I start this one? You know, because uh, first of all, I want to say I battle with um, myself. I battle with uh, manic depression. You know, um, we all have our days, our thoughts, you know, that cross our mind with depression. And depression doesn't have a look to it. I don't care what they say. Depression doesn't have a look. Depression doesn't have a person, a type of person. You know, it's there. And um, we don't see it with a lot of people because a lot of people, we think, oh, they're too happy. They can't be depressed. But you don't know because you're not that person. You know what they're going through. You don't know their story. They say don't judge a book by its cover unless you walk the mile in their shoes. But could you really? Because I don't think, in my opinion, anyone can walk a mile in anybody's shoes. You know what I mean? Because it's too hard for anybody. Because you're not that person. Um, I got a little sidetracked there. But um, it started, I guess... I was a lot younger, you know, um, I, uh, dealt with a lot of struggles in the home life, you know, a lot of things as a person, uh, I was like, well, you know, this, I, this needs to get better, right? Being a cutter and everything. This needs to get better, I guess you could say. And, um, so I, um, discovered a thing called a little bit of lower tabs and Xanax. My favorite, one of my favorite drugs of choice. I guess you could say a little bit of narcotics of Xanax and lower tabs. Um, and I loved how it made me feel. You know, I was like, oh, this feels great. <laughs> I'm loving this, right? And, you know, uh, 
friends, you know, that I acquainted myself with back then, you know, that, that was our big thing was some, uh, good old, uh, let's drink a little bit of this and let's, let's do about three or four of these, uh, pills, I guess you could say either lower tap or Xanax. Cause that's what we loved. We're like, yeah. And we'd be feeling great. We'd be, we'd be partying, having a good time, just laughing, being happy, I guess you could say. And as time had went on, you know, I didn't really see the problem. You know, I didn't think I had a problem myself because I started consuming more and more as a, you know, as a young adult. I hit it very well, just so you know, I hit it very well from my mother. <laughs> uh, I collected myself. Because, like, when I used to get high, I put a little visine in my eyes. Couldn't even tell the difference. Uh, I would eat, but I would not eat. And I would be whatever. I'd be totally content, calm. And it was like, oh, well, not to even think about it. You would have never known when I was a young age in high school that I had an addiction. Because I hit it so well, you know. And... Then I, you know, got out of the home, got older, and um, I had a marriage uh, off and on for eight years, two kids later, you know, um, but um, I struggled with the whole consuming more. I had to, you know, I had to get more. I had to have more, you know, a little bit of lower tab. Xanax, and then I was like, well, this isn't cutting it, you know what I mean? Like, by a certain age, I think in my early, my later, like my late teens, almost before I turned like 20, yeah, somewhere around there, um, I was introduced to good old Percocet, and that made me feel a little bit more better. I was like, oh, wow, I love this villain, and, um, I, uh, was down in at least Captain Morgan. I will say one of my favorite drinks. I'm Captain Girl. Um, I had consumed so much Captain today, Bud Light, um, and some good old Percocet, right? And with that combination, 10 feet tall, bulletproof. Um, and when I didn't have it, it was the worst feeling ever. I was so sick, and I I never did, like, crack or heroin or anything like that. I never shot up. I will say that I've never shot up or anything, but I tried other narcotics, and as you see, it got worse. Um, it was a hard pill to swallow, you know, especially being a parent, and you have kids, and I hate to tell you this, and I don't, you know, a lot of people's like, oh, you did that? When you're a parent, you know, when you're an, you're an addict, and I hate to tell people this, but when you have an addiction to getting high, your first thoughts isn't, oh, about your kids, and about your partner, about your family. It's how I'm going to get high next. And it's the sad way to say it, because that's how I looked at it. I was like, how am I going to get high? I was more selfish on not wanting to be sick because it was the worst feeling ever. And 
people can be like, oh, you did that. But unless you've been there, unless you were an addict, unless you, unless you have an addiction, you don't know what that's like. You don't know the struggles. You don't know the feeling. You don't know the pain in your heart, in your mind, unless you've been there. So you can't, so you have no audacity to judge someone unless you've experienced it yourself because I've I've been told lots of times I don't understand how you could do that I could never do that well of course because you're not an addict you're not a recovering addict you don't you don't have an addiction like that an addictive personality like that and I do so um my kids went to the grandparents, um, and, you know, I was more concerned about how I was going to get high drunk, but I always managed to, you know, money to my kids, of course, you know, to help with them, but, um, I was more concerned about getting high or drinking, whatever, and, um, I was doing good for a little while. <clears throat> I really was. Um, and, um, you know, I had lost, um, someone who was very dear to my heart and, you know, well, actually a couple of people that were dear to my heart, <laughs> take that back, my bad. But, um, I lost my cousin who was amazing. Um, my best friend who was like my sister that I grew up with. So I call her my little sister and my grandmother. Um, how I lost them, you know, was, uh, the two was to, um, my best friend and, um, well, my sister, my sister and my cousin was to addiction as well. Um, and after losing, you know, the first one, I relapsed cause I went like a, like a year, like two or three years without doing anything. I was good. Um, and then, um, I relapsed, was getting high off and on, you know, and two years later, um, I lost, uh, someone who was like my sister, you know, and, um, it was really hitting me so bad. It was really bad. You know what I mean? Like it, it was hitting me and, um. I was wanting to get high, forget it, because I couldn't really cope with it. Like I said, when we have our time coping with stuff. And um, then someone told me, because I was doing the homelessness, I didn't need to be homeless, but someone asked me, and I had found out what, she, and by that time I had found out by what she had passed away from. Um, how she had passed away. Uh, and I was like, wow. But I got asked this question. It was something that really woke me up. And really shook me. 
And um, it really hit like, wow, they're right. But the question they asked me was, because I told them, oh, I own a home. I, you know, I have this. I don't have to be homeless, da, 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 you know. And they looked at me with this look on their face like, and here's the words exactly. And excuse my language, Brisket, but this is the words exactly that they had asked me. They had said, um, why the fuck are you homeless? Why are you here? <laughs> you know? And, um, I was like, cause I like to get high. <laughs> I love getting high. You gonna lie. Okay. Go home and get high there. But I love to get high. And they're like, that's silly, isn't it? You know, like that, like you have a home, but you'd rather be out here eating, sleeping wherever, getting food out of whatever, because you love to get high. Okay. (laughs) And um, at first I was like, you don't understand. But I guess that was something in my mind, though. I guess it took somebody being brutally, bluntly like, to be like, what's wrong with you? Like, Angel, what is wrong with you? You know, you have a home, you you know, you don't have to live like this. Wondering where you're going to sleep, where you're going to, you know what I mean? Where you're going to get your next meal, shower, all the things you need essentially as a female. And um, I sit back at the park. Well, not in front of the library. They call it a park too, but in front of the library. And, um downtown and I was like you know what I don't have to be here they're absolutely right I don't have to live like this right and um I I um I went home like a day or two later and it was a struggle I was so sick. I was sweating. I was puking. I had a headache. I was so sick. I went to a place where I couldn't get nothing. Absolutely nothing. You know, like, I went home and, you know, I knew that I was in a situation like, what am I going to do if I do this or whatever? And, um, I did. I, um... I went home and I went through the detox myself. And of course, you know, people ask me, um, like, how did you do it? Like, it was hard. It was a struggle. But I had my mind made up that I was doing it for me. And, um, you know, that's that's what I did. It took me a little bit to get straight, to get good. And, um, because of that choice I made so many years ago, um, well, not many, many, but, uh, you know, like the final step that I made coming up very soon for me is like six years clean from drugs, you know, and stuff, you know, like I'm clean. I haven't touched anything like narcotics. The, the only thing I take well, if I have a headache and I don't like taking it really because it's like, uh, is ibuprofen or leave. 
for a headache because I do get massive headaches because of an injury I have. I went and plus to help my depression with this St. John's ward or whatever. But, um, yeah, so I got clean and I haven't touched it since. And I'm really proud of myself. And hopefully my stories helped you. Um, and also I want to tell you about, um, recovery the next, you know, like, uh, you know, how to go about that with people and understanding of how that works. So hopefully my story has helped you with that. You know, um, this, this part right here though is, it irritates me sometimes because like a lot of people do not understand. They will never understand. Like I said, unless you've been there. Um, recovery. Uh, I know as a parent, as a relative, you know, a sibling, a mother, a father, aunt, uncle, whatever, cousin. Um, even a friend, let's say a friend as well. That's, that's like, you know, you know, someone's like your family, your friend, whatever, someone that is important in your life and, um, mean the world to you. We're like, I wish they would get better. I wish they wouldn't do this stuff. I wish they wouldn't do that old stuff. It saddens me. And, um, you know, no matter how much you pressure them and say, well, you need to do it. You need to think about this. You need to think about kids. You need to think about your mom. You need to think about all these other people that care about you. We're going to miss you and people will miss you dearly. And that's a wonderful thing to say. You know, it, it's a wonderful thing to say, I guess, to a point. But really, someone who has an addiction or who is still a recovering addict as myself, they're not going to change for you, their kids. I mean, they can use that as a reason for a little while. Sure, okay, yeah, for a little while, yeah, I'm going to do this for my kids because, you know, I'm a good parent. I'm going to be a good parent to my child, da-da-da, or be a good whatever. And, they'll, and it'll work for a while. And um, But the key thing to someone who has an addiction is... um. Is you have is they have to want to do it for them. To be a recovering addict, to be selfish in this case, and that's a good reason to be selfish, you know, is they have to want to do it for them. And uh no one else. Number one reason for them. The other reasons can follow after, but in the beginning, you have to want to get better for you. No one else. And, um, then the healing starts. Uh, the thing is, um, if you are struggling with an addiction and, you know, if you're afraid to talk to somebody about it, well, I'm here to tell you, and I know it's the hardest thing to say that you need help or drugs control you, 
you know, narcotics, whatever control you or whatever your addiction is controls you. It's a hard thing to admit sometimes like, oh, I got control over this. You know, I got this. Sometimes it's it's, a, it's the pride talking like, oh, I don't got a problem. I smoke crack once a month, but I can quit anytime. Obviously, you know, if you don't see it's a problem, then you never will. It's always okay if you have, if you're struggling with an addiction or anything like that or anything leading to that addiction, it's okay to ask for help because we all need help sometimes. It's okay to put our big girl or a big guy, you know, underwear on in her pants and say, hey, I need help. Um, I can't do this alone. You know, I want to do this for me. But I need help getting there. Don't ever feel that you're less than because you have a problem. Um, and a lot of times, you know, a person has to hit rock bottom. Like myself, has to hit rock bottom with no help at all to feed my addiction, to want to get better. And sometimes we have to fall on our face and be like, dang, you know what? This has got to get better. Can't live like this anymore. So for you out there struggling and have a problem, like I said, it's okay to ask for help. There are ways to help you. There are places to help you and hotlines rehab facilities if you don't want to go to rehab you know and I can also suggest for someone who is a recovering addict who has an addiction there's also uh, classes you can take uh, NA classes they have them all the time if it helps you talk about it every day do the steps and if you don't want to talk about it because it makes you want to do it worse then you may be do something to better your life, you know, like, um, I, you know, like myself, I had to less associate with people who was feeding my addiction too, as well with those people that caused me to want to do it again. Cause you can love them from afar, but you have to surround yourself from people who don't do that anymore, who are better in their life. And Hopefully, like I said through this whole time, that my story and everything else I've discussed with you has helped you and helped you see a better way. So, that's how recovery goes. It's a hard process and it's it gets easier, but at first it sucks, but it's always a battle. Because one day you're clean is a big step. Three hours sober. That's a heck of a step. Two weeks clean, a day, like I said, two or three days, that's amazing. And for those who are recovering, who hasn't done anything in a very long time, congratulations. I applaud you. Much respect. And for those who have gone one day clean, whatever, like I said, congratulations. That is an amazing step and process and keep it up. So yeah, hopefully that'll help you. Everyone, it is that time again 
It has been another episode on Painted Opinions here with your host, of course, Angel. I love speaking with you. It makes me happy, excited, and for the new ones that have joined in, hopefully you're still listening. It's great to have you, and also cannot forget the ones that do listen. I love having you. I hope you've enjoyed some of my thoughts and opinions on things and subjects about the matter of addiction. Hopefully that's helped you have a better insight. I don't know what you think. Hopefully you can see some of my point of view or whatever. Um, But I want to tell you though, I got to tell you that if no one has told you today and you need a smile on your face or hopefully it puts a smile on your face... You are awesome, amazing, wonderful, and loved. I wanted to tell you that because everybody needs to hear that sometimes to put a smile, right? Or make us to feel that we are loved. So until next time, hopefully to speak with you until next time, be safe and be loved. Mm-hmm.